0: Well, today I wanna to talk for a few minutes about rule and order and intentionality in how we live our lives. This is also the last week of our eight weeks together in the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzero And this is the theme of his last chapter. In his final chapter in his book, he addresses what is called a rule of life. Uh, that will not be an unfamiliar phrase for most of you, I imagine. I mentioned it just a few weeks ago um, in our time together on a Sunday. If you've been around Trinity Northside, especially the last uh, two years, many times we've mentioned this one way or another, but I want to hit it again today because it is so crucial and I so timely to the moment in which we find ourselves. Here's how Scuzero defines a rule of life. He says, a rule of life is a call to order our entire life in such a way that the love of Christ comes before all else. And I find that really helpful because even in mentioning the word rule, some of us may be a little put off by that word or feel like it brings up certain religious uh, connotations or memories of previous church encounters in which that was a really negative thing. It brings up a a sense of uh, oppression or maybe some uh, just uh, bad connotations for you. Um, But schizero is really helpful because he redeems that word for us. He helps seat that word in its context. And he says, rule is actually a word that comes from a vines, it rules closely associated with a trellis. And he says, a trellis is a support system that helps a vine grow upwards. And I think that's a fantastic way to think of a rule. If you have a rule of life, it's like you have a support system that helps you grow into the woman or the man that you are meant to be. It is a support system that helps you become who you're supposed to be. And so we don't bury the, rule, the, the lead here. Here's what I want us to think on today. What rules rule your life? If I could ask you a single question today, especially in this time of pandemic, what rules rule your life? Because we are six months into this pandemic now, and there are certain rules, certain rhythms of life that have long gone out the window. And yet there are others that have stayed. We all have a rule of life. The question is, what rules rule your life? Your morning coffee rule likely has not gone out the window, even in a time of pandemic. Your necessity of making food and meals for your children, making lunch for your kids, that rule has not gone out the window. It's still a part of who you are. Your evening ritual of watching Netflix, has not gone out the window or playing video games, whatever it is, those habits are so deeply ingrained often for many of us that even in a challenging season, in a time of pandemic, they still uh, stick around. And so it's not that we're opposed to rules, but it's the content of those rules that seem to be ever evolving. And at times we embrace and at times we hold at arm's length. For example, if a week before this pandemic began, you resolved to get fit and you were gonna start Whole 30 and have a new spring. It was the spring of the new you. Uh, likely with the pandemic, when it hit, you made it to about day eight or nine uh, before that went long out the window. Why? because that was an aspirational rule. That rule was aspirational. It was not at the core of who you are, but it was something you wanted to be true. And here's the thing, when we are pressed, when things press in upon us, usually the things that are most at the periphery are the first to go. The things that are at the core of who we are, that are deeply solidified and ingrained in our being, those things stay, those things persist even when outside forces press upon us. Because that's the thing with rule, with rhythm. Uh, Sometimes we change it on our own initiative. We say, I wanna take on a new rhythm. I want to mix it up in this season of life. And sometimes seasons call for different rules and for different rhythms. Other times those rules are forced upon us whether we want it to or not. If someone betrays you, betrays your trust in an intimate relationship, overnight the rules that define that relationship have changed if you are diagnosed with a severe medical condition or a severe allergy, your relationship to health and to wellness and to medicine and food, all of those rules, they change overnight. And I say that because whatever your life may look like for all of us over the last six months in one way or another, the fact of this pandemic has meant an outside force, an outside Reality has been pressed in and pressed upon us to such an extent that all of us have had our rules changed and upended in some way, shape, or form. This is just simply an unavoidable reality. I think if any of us thought this was just going to be a passing thing, like we could hold our breath and go underwater and let the wave crash over us and we come up to sunny skies on the other side. I think for most of us, that ship has sailed. That, that moment is long past. We realize this is settling in. Uh, it's not funny anymore, the way in which maybe we tried to find some humor in it. Uh, I saw a meme this week, actually, a coronavirus meme. Yes, those are things, a little niche market on the internet. But uh, if you know Rudolph Duque, he's my go-to source for, um, for memes, coronavirus memes. It's really his sweet spot. Uh, he's a parishioner here, and he posted one this week that just had me laugh out loud because it said, uh, do you remember the, the phase of the virus when it was the, uh, the Joe Exotic and the stimulus check phase? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you miss those days? Because now everything's just dark and bleak. Like, and, and we laugh at that because there's a sense of humor to it, but it also kind of hurts a little because it feels true. Like That feels like a lifetime ago. And it's kind of hard now and it's dark and confusing and whatever humor or escape, frankly, we found in those moments. We're weary now and our anxiety continues to grow and our questions about re-entry and our questions about school for our kids and work and the financial vulnerabilities that we've had, our health vulnerabilities, all of these are mounting and growing to a point at which we're just tired and we're weary and our rules and our rhythms have changed so much so that for most of us, major parts of our life are unrecognizable today to what they were six months ago. And this, is especially true in our life of faith, in our life as Christians. And we can, we can laugh about this, we can dismiss these realities, but if I could be honest with you and, and sincere as a pastor, as a spiritual father in some sense to this family of faith, my heart is burdened for us. My heart is heavy for you and the state of your life with Christ because a rule of life at its best is meant to keep Jesus Christ at the center. Skazero reminds us that everything we do revolves around Christ. And yet I wonder how much of our Christian rhythms, how much of our practice of our faith has been upended and gone out the window. And if we don't have a rule of life centered on Jesus Christ, you and I are going to drown and our faith is not going to make it out the other side. Some version of who we are will make it out the other side because you cannot be a human being without a rule. The question is, as I said at the beginning, what rules are going to rule your life? I read an article this week put out by the Barna Group. The Barna Group uh, researches Christians and Christian behavior. And they put an article out where they had surveyed the habits of Christians this year in the months of April and May across the country really interesting study. And what they found is church-going Christians who were regularly in church before the pandemic in the months of April and May, one in three of them had entirely stopped going to church. One out of three Christians in America have stopped going to church entirely, either in person or virtually. Whatever their community's invitation into life together looks like, one in three of them have stopped entirely. That that article also said 50% of millennials, which is a large portion of our church family, 50% of millennials have not participated in a single church service since the pandemic hit. Let me be clear here. Whenever in my life I've been in church and someone in my position starts throwing out stats about uh, church attendance or church decline, usually that is tied with some kind of uh, guilt-laden appeal for money and for you to come to church. Uh, I don't want your money. Uh, I, this is not an appeal for money. Our church, to be candid, our church plant, our, our mission parish is incredibly stable financially. You all have been so faithful and generous in your giving. Even this time of pandemic, we are a very stable community. I'm not asking for your money. I'm not trying to boost our attendance numbers for some abstract uh, reason to make us feel better. This is about the state of your soul. And of course, money is a part of that rule of life. Of course, coming to church matters and it's a part of faithfulness to Jesus. But I want you to step back and set this in the bigger picture to see it in a holistic way and just ask yourself the question, what does your practice of the Christian faith look like today? This week, do an audit of your life. The last seven days, what has your practice of your faith looked like? And what kind of Christian will you and I be when we're on the other side of this pandemic? when sitting in empty rooms, talking to a camera with lights and a production team around, when that's no longer a reality and we're just back to quote unquote normal, what kind of faith will emerge on the other side of that for you and for me? We read today from Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two for many people is a bit of a gold standard of Christian community. Many missional communities, many intentional Christian communities have taken the end of that chapter and said, this is what it means to be Christians. This is the gold standard. This is how we can finally get back to being the early church. And I want you to hear this loud and clear that passage is less descriptive or more, or excuse me, less prescriptive more than it is descriptive. It is not trying to tell you and I what to do. It is not a playbook on how we are meant to live. It is more simply describing what was true of the early Christians then. And we cannot miss this fact. Most of the time when we take that on as a mission statement for some new community, it's in some idealized sense. This is not about some group of hippies living out in the desert, living where everything's shared in this utopian bliss. This is about Christians just simply telling us how they lived. And the way they lived was under incredible persecution and suffering and trial. And yet, what what we find in Acts chapter 2 is in the face of confusion and pain and suffering, they lived lives fully oriented and centered on the person of Jesus Christ. That's why this is so compelling. That's why we read this and are drawn to it because in the face of trial and suffering, they were faithful to Jesus. They lived an entire life ordered around him and his kingdom, even while living in the midst of suffering and sorrow and pain. And you and I must learn to do the same. This is the question we have to ask ourselves. How do we live in the world in which we find ourselves and still live with Jesus at the absolute heart of who we are. The reason this is so compelling is you see in this reading that they live with Jesus at the center in every part of their life. Much of this talks about what they did uh, when they gathered liturgically. It talks about receiving communion, praying the prayers of the church, liturgical prayers. But it also talks about what they did in homes, what they did when they were in private, the way in which their hearts were filled with the peace and the joy of the Lord. And that peace was contagious. And their love for neighbor was contagious and it spread. And the church grew and the Lord blessed that Community. This was the kind of people that they were. This was the way of life in which they lived. And so we have to ask ourselves, how do we do this? I'll wrap up. How do we do this? How do we take a step in this direction to actually be these kinds of people? Not to take this as a prescription that we can go and just build out an action plan or a mission statement and say, now we can be the perfect church, as if it were that easy, if it were ever that easy. No, how can we read this as a description that says, this is what has been true of Christians in the past and therefore in our own day, in our own context, can be true of you and me as well which is whatever we're facing, we can still live as a family of faith, fully oriented and ordered to the kingdom of God. We've talked a lot about this practical ways in which we can live this way of life. If you came to the daily office retreat back in the fall, I talked about a threefold rule of life that's centered on Sunday worship, on praying the daily office and living a personal private life with God. That's a really good place to start. Here's another way to think of it. If, if you wanna kind of add to those or kind of think of them in slightly different terms, I was talking to some of the other pastors at Trinity this week, and we were kind of saying, there is for us in this moment at Trinity, four key ways in which we can take a step in this direction, to take a step in building out a rule of life. Because that's all I'm asking you to do is to take a step in that direction. My temptation would be to take three months, six months to build out and craft the most perfect rule of life the world has ever seen. The problem is, as I'm building and crafting that, I can put my faith on the shelf. What I'm asking you to do is not neglect your faith, but live out the essentials where you are in this moment, and then at the same time, continue to build it out, flesh it out as you are able. Here's the four we talked about as pastors this week that I think for Trinity right now is particularly timely. Four ways, four essentials of living by a rule of life as a Christian. The first is Sundays, come to church. Come receive communion. If you are a part of the Northside community, I ask your pastor, I am asking you to be here, to be present and receive communion. If you and I are able to go to Kroger and get eggs and milk and bread, you and I are able to come to church, socially distanced in a healthy, safe way and come and receive what is the very lifeline of our life with God, which is his body and blood to come and receive the Eucharist. If you take your faith seriously, that is the center of of your rule of life in this season. The second is this, just as the early church gathered in corporate ways, they also had smaller spaces in which they centered their life on Christ. So first is Sundays. Second is small groups. Some of you are involved in neighborhood groups that were existing before this pandemic hit. Uh, There are other ways though, if you've not been a part of a small group to get connected. This fall, as we get into the school year, into the fall season, we're going to at Trinity have a few different ways for you to get involved in a small group. we're going to have a small group discussion around a racial justice and what it means for the church to respond to the injustice in our community. We're going to have a Bible study that tracks along for several weeks with our teachings on Sundays. And you can either get some friends together and join those as a small group, or you as an individual can just sign up and you'll be added into a group. There is no excuse to not have your faith extend into the weekdays of your life, to have that also be a part of who you are. So Sundays, small groups. The third is personal devotion. And this is kind of where I would add in uh, the two things we talked about in the rule of life, both praying with the church, but also a private way of life. And so personal devotion is the daily office. Read the Bible with our church family, pray the prayers of the church with our family, but also have an unseen life with God. Practice that presence of God in your everyday waking moments, as you clean, as you cook, as you work, be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then lastly, love of neighbor. And so Sundays, small groups, personal devotion and love of neighbor. This is the fourth essential for you right now. And we're trying to find ways to encourage you as a church family to do that with our partnerships, with Presencia, with Los Pasinos to Buford Highway. Some of those have been challenged with this pandemic, but we continue to try and find ways to press in. Uh, but you don't need me to tell you a date and a time to be somewhere to love your neighbor. You, wherever you are, can love and live your life for the good of others and to give your life away as a gift. So be bold and take on love of neighbor, love of others as an essential part of your life with God in this season. We'll leave it there for this week. As this is our last Sunday in EHS, I'm gonna give Pete Scazzaro the last word. The last two sentences of his book, literally as he finishes his book, I think is a really helpful place for us to land this conversation today and to carry it into our week, this coming week. Here's what he says. It is my prayer that God give you the courage to faithfully live your unique life in Christ and may love invade you. It will never fail to teach you what you must do. Father, would you invade us with your love as individuals, as the family of God here at Trinity Northside? Would you invade us with your love? And as you do, would you teach us what to do? Give us courage to respond to that love and to tend to our Christian faith, to live by a rule of life that is centered on Christ and his kingdom so that as we come through this moment of difficulty and trial, we will be a faithful people who have a faith intact and who are able to invite the world into the love and the goodness that you give to us. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.